The Cardinals have made their splash in free agency, and it feels more like an underwater fart bubble to everybody. Should we all be freaking out? Is there, or is there something more to this that maybe people aren't recognizing? We're going to talk about it today with Josh Jacobs from RedbirdRants.com on Locked On Cardinals. You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Cardinals fans. I'm J.D. Hafford, and I'm a national radio sports anchor, born and raised in the Lou and a lifetime Cardinals fan, and I'm your host for Locked On Cardinals, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Follow me on Twitter, X at J.D. Sports Radio, and the podcast at LO underscore Cardinals. We want to thank those of you who make Locked On Cardinals your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube. Make sure you like, subscribe, and comment. That way you're interacting with us. Hit the notification button so you know when the new episodes are posted. This is a show serving Cardinal Nation and giving the best fans in baseball all of the info about the birds on the bat. Today's episode brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Uh, once again, we want to welcome in our buddy, Josh Jacobs from redbirdrants.com. He's here with us again today. And boy, Josh, we have got a ton of things going on with the Cardinals since the last time that me and you got a chance to chat. Uh, we've got a new coach on the staff. We've got yeah. some new pitchers. Uh, they got rid of some familiar names that we talked that we talked about. Uh, it's been a busy, busy time. And yet with all of this going on and all of this changeover, Somehow, some way, Cardinal Nation is not exactly happy. Uh, there is unrest <laughs> among the masses because nope. instead of the Cardinals signing uh, names that people were excited about and people wanted, guys like, you know, Yoshi Yamamoto or Blake Snell or Sonny Gray or even a Michael Waka. Instead, we got a Lance Lynn and we got a Kyle Gibson. Now, we know, Josh, that the Cardinals wanted pitching, 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 pitching. That's That's been the theme. They went and got pitching. Uh, and when the Lance Lynn signing happened, most of us thought, okay, you needed three. That was the idea. You needed three or two and a half, whatever, whatever you want to go with, whatever Mo said at whatever time he did it. Um, that they kind of had their back of the rotation done. You think you've got a Michaelis, you've got a Mats, you've got a Lance Lynn now. And then, you know, whatever mix you want to use of guys, because we know that Matt's is going to get hurt at some point or another. And then you had the other mix of young guys, you know, guys like a Zach Thompson and a Matthew Libertor, a Drew Ryan, whoever they wanted to use at the back there. But then on Tuesday, it was announced that the team also signed Kyle Gibson, another guy that seems like a back-of-the-rotation type of guy. One year, $12 million deal with an option for next season. So now, Josh, we have the Cardinals with two dudes that seem to fill a similar role at the back of the rotation. Not the same type of pitcher, but the same role is what they seem to be ready to fill. The Cardinals still don't have a number one or a number two that we all thought that they were going to be aggressive about going after um, yeah. after what happened last year. So how do we make sense of these two moves without blowing a gasket because when they tell you and i knew this was going to happen when mo put out there and goes <laughs> we got to get three pitchers you know we need three starters at least and then we went down to two and a half 
So now people are like, okay, so that's the two. So we only got one left and this is what we're going with. And they're, and they're freaking out a little bit. Mm -hmm. Can you calm everybody down or are you freaking out as well with this? Yeah, JD. I mean, when I first saw it, <laughs> I didn't know what to say. I was like, I, I, I saw the tweet, like it was seconds after Nightingale put it out. And I was like, is this a fake account? Kyle Gibson? What? <laughs> nope. It was real. And as like the time has settled a little bit, I've, I've, I want to say I've warmed up to the idea of it, but I'm starting Ooh. to understand where the Cardinals are at with it. Brandon Kylie of 101 ESPN put out some good stats that I think kind of go with this a little bit. 85% of Gibson's and Lynn's starts last year went five or more innings and 50 over 50% for both of them went six or more innings. Something the Cardinals just weren't getting from the back end of the rotation last year was even five innings out of a guy. You would see a Zach Thompson go three innings. You would see a Drew Rom go three or four innings. You'd see Wainwright give up seven and three innings. Like, it, they were not only were they losing the game off the bat, but then they're also killing their bullpen in the process. And so what you've done this year and to put a little bit of context to that Wainwright, Libertor, Woodford, Rom and Hudson combined for 60 starts last year and only 50 percent of those starts went five innings and only 27 of those went six or more innings. So the Cardinals had a legitimate innings deficit. Now, would I have necessarily approached it like this and gone after Lynn and Gibson to fix that? No, I would have gone one of those guys and then two top-end guys. So I think it, this is starting to look like they're going to go for one top-of-the-rotation starter and backfill the innings a little bit. But to their credit, this is another thing that came from Brandon Kiley. Whenever a starter last year from the Cardinals went six or more innings and gave up four or fewer runs – they won 65% of those games. Whenever they had, uh, they didn't get that kind of run support, they won 30% of their games. So the Cardinals' offense is good enough to win ball games when they can at least get innings out of the starter and be in the game. Their bullpen is good enough when it doesn't have to get used for five or six innings every single game to carry the team through. So I get the thought process behind, okay, if we get Lynn in here, we get Gibson in here. I cover some innings. If injuries happen, we've got three different guys who could hit 200 innings pitched in the year with Michaelis, Gibson, and Lynn. Um, and then you go out and get your top guy. So, again, is that what I would have done? No. But do I see how it raises the team's floor? Yeah, I do. Assuming mm -hmm. they go out and get a frontline starter, I can't see this team losing 90-plus games again. I think they're probably in the 80-ish wins territory at this point if they can get a number one starter in there. And then you figure things out the deadline, which is what they tend to do anyway. So, again, the the type of number one starter will give me the grade of either a C or a D offseason. Like, if they go out and get Yamamoto, I would give it a C. or Honestly, that's probably a B because it's Yamamoto. Like, you don't expect right. them to do that. But, like, Sonny Gray, that's probably a D if you get – Blake Snell is probably a C. Like, I just really don't. I think they learned the wrong lessons here. Obviously, they needed innings, but they also need the top end talent. And I just don't think they're going after it the way they should be right now. But I also am not in the boat that they're going to start Michael Waka opening day. And that's the third guy. I think right. it's going to be Sonny Gray. I, or I really do think there's Yamamoto buzz growing. If we want to talk about that, I think Blake Snell's an option. I think Tyler Glass now becomes even more possible. I think a Dylan Cease. I would say any one of those names is probably the opening day starter this year. But then you go Michaelis, Mats, Gibson, Lynn. And at that point, you're just trying to stay in games and let that offense roll. Now, some of Mo's quotes trying to explain kind of what they're doing here. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't go into extreme detail by any means, but uh, one of them he says here is this year we wanted to go in with a little more certainty and have that veteran presence. You need guys you can count on. You need guys with experience. You need guys 
who can help younger guys understand what this is all about. So I look at these guys, and yes, they've got to take the ball. Yes, they've got to pitch deep into games. But yes, they're also going to help our younger players. They check a lot of boxes for us. We think this is a very good first step. This is not the finish line. This is a day in time. There is still a lot of work to be done, which, you know, it leaves it open for interpretation that they're still looking at other guys. These aren't the two dudes. And then this is where we're going to draw the line. And then there, this is it. It leaves you the idea that they are aiming high for another, another guy to uh, put into this rotation. And let's not forget, they still got to figure out what they're doing in the bullpen as well. Um, And when you bring in two guys like Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson, guys who, are very durable. That's one of the upsides about them. Um, it made me wonder, you know, obviously maybe they're planning for the eventual collapse of Steven Matz, who seems to go down mm-hmm. every year. So mm-hmm. they're kind of backing that up right away. Yep. And also a chance to maybe move him to the bullpen at some point if they don't get what they want through free agency or trades to fix that bullpen or to at least help it. I'm not yeah. going to say fix it because, uh, you know, it's probably impossible. I mean, you can't get everybody, but maybe that's an idea. It's an option right now that maybe they slide him back there uh, in certain situations. Um, it also made me think like, all right, who else would they might be targeting that is somewhat injury prone? guy named Tyler Glass now pops into my mind that has been a guy that we've all talked about a lot and uh, have been a, a fan of bringing him in just to, see what can happen because when he is on the field he is a top tier ace type of pitcher so if you're worried about maybe him going down there you go you've got more depth going for you already weird that you target that right away (laughs) you know sometimes and i kind of explained it yesterday where there's this trickle down effect normally where you see the top tier guys go and then the market finds itself and then everybody trickles down after that where the cardinals immediately targeted guys that some people didn't think we're even going to be options for, for the Cardinals this year, that these yeah. were like old Pittsburgh pirates types of moves, you know, <laughs> where they, you know, you find a veteran that might have a little something left. You give them to a one-year deal. Maybe you flip them at the trade deadline. Those are the type of moves. I, nobody expected this to be the first thing that yeah. happened with the Cardinals. And I think that's why you myself and a lot of the fans got caught off guard by this. And we're so disappointed at first is because we're like, wait, what? No, no, these are not the guys we were begging you for, Mo. What are you doing? Yeah, you could put, you could probably, or we that's that's how I do look at it and initially looked at it as I've been thinking more. You could flip it, the narrative a little bit too, and go, well, now they have two innings eaters. So now they can just focus their attention on the top of the market rather than playing all these different games and having all these plates spinning and then being left empty handed. Love now. Yeah. Do I think they could have gotten a Kyle Gibson type and a Lance Lynn type later? Probably, but Mo was pretty open about they both wanted to come to St. Louis. Yeah. I've done some digging a little bit, and it, it seems like around the league, this is what the expected numbers were for Lynn and Gibson too, even if it feels high to a fan. like This is about what they were going to get on the market. It sounds like they were going to sign with some team in the near future. So if they didn't sign with St. Louis this week, they're probably with another club by now. And so I get why they pounced on that. And then I do think you're right. Like this opens up their options for what they can do about that top line starter. Now they don't necessarily need to go for certainty with a Sonny Gray or uh, Eduardo Rodriguez type where it's a little bit safer. They can go aggressive and get Blake Snell. They can go and trade for Tyler Glass now and not be worried about the innings as much. Mm. I I wouldn't completely rule out them adding two top guys still. I am not banking on it. But I'm also, Mo's not going to come out and say, hey, we're still going for two top guys because you just can't 
predict how the market's going to go. I could see them trading for Glassnell and Cease. I could see them trading, uh, signing Gray and trading for Cease. Like, it, as this plays out, they could do more. He wouldn't necessarily rule out adding more than three or one more starter after this, but he also yeah. wasn't going to commit to it, which it makes sense. No GM really does that. So, yeah. again, I, I said it before the offseason, and I'm going to keep saying it to myself. We grade them based on how they come into spring training. So today is a day, and that's what Mo kept saying. It is just before Thanksgiving. There's plenty of offseason left. It doesn't mean they're going to do the moves they need to, but I have confidence that I don't think Mo's looking at Kyle Gibson or Lance Lynn or Miles Michaelis or Steven Matz and be like, that's the guy. I think he knows they need something better than that. Um, and also, I'm starting to wonder how much the Bally sports stuff is playing into the payroll stuff. Uh, it's something that he kind of denied during the press conference, but it's been something Derek Gould and others have noted is a real concern that they just, nobody really knows what the revenue stream is going to be like next year. And that's frustrating, but it's a real thing. When you're second biggest revenue driver, you have no idea if you're going to be getting that, that revenue anymore and then what the new revenue projections are going to look like it might cause teams to do stuff like this. So I'm interested to see if this affects other clubs that are going after. I mean, the Padres were just impacted um, by this market or the TV rights last year. And you see them taking out loans and potentially offsetting salary at this point. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens with all this, but I, I'm, I'm still optimistic. They go get a top arm. All right. So we've still got the window open. We're still optimistic that they could land a top guy. They're all still there. It's not like yeah. all of them got picked up by other teams. You're hearing rumors about guys talking to certain people, but nobody's definite right now. So uh, the market is still kind of trying to figure itself out. So I know I was freaking out yesterday. I had Maker's Mark in my glass here on the stream <laughs> and uh, I was ready. I was ready to drink. I'm okay today. And yeah. I'm just going to take I hate to use Mo's word, but I'm a, a little patience. I'm going to wait yeah. a little bit before I start freaking out any longer. Um, now, for the two guys that they got, Gibson and Lance Lynn, there are pros and there are cons for both of them. So we're going to run through those next. We'll start with Kyle Gibson since he's the uh, newest acquisition. So that coming up next here on Locked on Cardinals. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. And if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel and you've been like, I don't know, well, there's no better time to get in on the action right now. Uh, easy app to use, which is always a, a plus because some things can get a little complicated. Uh, the app with FanDuel is, is not a problem. There's a wide range of uh, betting options you can choose from, so it's not like you're pigeonholed into one thing and this is the only thing you can do. We got spreads, player props, over-unders, and a whole lot more. Thanksgiving games tomorrow, my Packers at the Lions. You've got Commanders at the Cowboys, 49ers at the Seahawks. You're enjoying your meal. Got a little money on the game. Makes things a little more interesting, especially if these aren't any of the teams that you're rooting for. So, Make it more enjoyable during Thanksgiving tomorrow. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season with FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. In case you didn't know, Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows, which are covering every league. So what you need to do is go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever 
national sports 24-7 streaming channel. And again, thank you for making Locked On Cardinals your first listen every day. Leave your comments on YouTube down below. We've had a lot of them over the last couple of days with the signings and the moves. Uh, also, hit us up on Twitter, X, myself and Josh, anytime you want to. Uh, feedback is always welcome and encouraged. Uh, we're going to start talking with uh, or about Kyle Gibson here. A little pros and cons for people who are uh, unfamiliar. So I'm going to I'm gonna throw some things at you, Josh. We'll start off with the pros because I'm a, I'm a glass half full guy. <laughs> and we'll start with those. And you can comment as you will on what you think about these certain stats. Because let's be honest. With stats today, you can spin pretty much anybody and make them sound real good, yeah. and then I can also tear them apart if I want to. So we're going to give you both sides, and then we'll let you guys decide on uh, what you feel about them. So uh, pro number one for Kyle Gibson, 15 wins last season with Baltimore. Obviously one of the best teams in baseball, but that's the fourth most wins in the league last year. 15, tied with AL Cy Young Award winner Garrett Cole. More than Blake Snell. Only five starters in the league actually had more wins than Kyle Gibson. So majority of the time when he's starting for you, his team wins. That's pretty yeah. good. Yeah, it's it's funny because it's like, no, uh, there's, there's a lot of people who really still love the win stat. And so you would think maybe there'd be a little bit more, especially from Cardinal Faithful, like, oh, he's a 15-win guy. Yeah. I mean, part of that's you're also on the Baltimore Orioles, who were the best regular season team of baseball last year. But then you also – but I, I would say, that, let's go ahead, glass half full here. Like you said, it shows you go deep in the ball games Because, like, Blake Snell and guys like that came – and to leave the game, they gave up zero runs, but they don't even qualify for the win. And yeah. so Kyle Gibson's a guy who's going to get you those innings. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great thing. Speaking of innings, that's my next pro. 192 of them last year, which was top 12 in the league. Since 2014, only Max Scherzer, Garrett Cole, and Zach Greinke, out of all people, have produced more innings than Gibson. So he's somebody who, like you mentioned, when he gets the ball, he's pitching deeper into games. This is not your four, five-inning, typical start type of person. He is a guy that normally will get you those six, sometimes reach seven or more. Yeah. And I think that's important, too, because this offense puts up runs. So there's those games when the offense can get off to a four, five, six runs in the first four innings, and that allows them to go, hey, Gibson, keep going out there, keep going out there. I don't think they're going to ride him in deep into the games when he's giving up five or six runs, but like when you right. have a lead, it's nice to have a guy that you don't have to go out and patchwork the bullpen the rest of the time, too. And so you you aren't using your high-leverage arms every single game to get through the spot. So you really got to like the innings there. 33 starts. Durable, mm -hmm. takes the ball every fifth day, which is great. Yep. 17 quality starts last year. Mm -hmm. Sixth most in the league. The same amount as Sonny Gray, who a lot of us think would be a great fit for the Cardinals. More than Aaron Nola, Dell and Cease, uh, Shane Bieber, and Tyler Glass now. So when he's out there on the mound, he's giving you a quality start more times than not, which is something yeah. that the Cardinals lacked a lot of last year, and it's something that makes – a guy like Kyle Gibson, very attractive. Yeah, it's huge. And then if you don't have to use a Zach Thompson in the rotation, now you do have a multi-inning reliever out of the bullpen. So you do have a guy that you can, like Gibson, like on a day when, if they had a Tyler Glass now and he only gave you four or five innings, then you can go to Thompson for two, three innings to get you through mm -hmm. a little bit more. So again, like the innings matter and the fact that he takes the ball every fifth day actually matters. You need guys like that in baseball. There's a reason why the Orioles signed him. There's a reason why the Dodgers traded for him. I know we'll talk about Lance Lane at the deadline. Those guys still have value. Yes, they do. And uh, you're not under the 
three, four-year contract here. This is a yeah. one-year deal, option for the next. If things work out, great. Bring him back. If it doesn't work out, you're ready to move on. Unfortunately, you'd be stuck in the same position as you are right now where you're mm-hmm. trying to find guys to fill all these roles. But it's not something that's going to hamstring you for, for years to come. And I think that's uh, uh, an important thing. Now, let's get to the cons about Mr. Gibson as well, because not everything is as rosy as we just made it sound. Those are all some great things, but 4.73 ERA, that's not great. Among qualified starters, that was the sixth worst ERA in baseball. 198 hits in those 192 innings, which led the American League in hits given up. Uh, His batting average against, obviously, is going to be high when you're giving up that amount of hits. Uh, Hitters batted 270 against him, third worst in the league and the worst in the American League. And then when we talk about strikeouts and swing and miss stuff, 157 Ks, top 25 of the American League. So it's not like he's some scrub, but not the power pitcher who relies on strikeouts, so not the swing and miss guy that they talked about. And you're adding a Kyle Gibson to a rotation that now has a Lance Lynn who had some similar bad things going on with the hits and stuff and the batting average and Miles Michaelis, who was also very hittable last year. So these are some things you worry about uh, with Kyle Gibson out of those stats there. Which one of those do you find the most alarming that you're kind of like, Ooh, I'm worried about this. Yeah, for me, it's got to be the hits allowed. Like, honestly, the ERA isn't a huge deal to me because if you're going deep into games and you're among the it's innings pitch leaders, like you're just more susceptible to giving up runs when you go deeper in the games. Um, it's the hits allowed, especially the Cardinals defense last year. I assume it's naturally going to get better. But again, like I think in a weird way, I'm not I'm not totally going to sit on this hill, but I think in, in a way, the way they're building the rotation right now may lead them to make a guy like Nolan Gorman or Brendan Donovan more available because you can slot in a Tommy Edmond at second base and you can really hone in on the defense this year a little bit more. Um, again, I don't know if that's really where they'll go, but it is interesting. They went so heavy in the language of let's go swing and miss. And then these inning years like Lynn before with the White Sox, he had a good strikeout rate. It dipped a little bit with the the Dodgers, even though his ERA got better and he's a strike. He used to be a strikeout guy. He still has that in him. So he's a little, he's not bad. He's just more average, but then Gibson, he's yeah, you're right. He's miles Michaelis 2.0. And now you've got two of those in the rotation, which is kind of the opposite direction of where they said they were wanting to go. Um, But yeah, I don't know. It's, the hits allowed really scares me. Yeah, I think they have three of the leaders now with Lynn, two, three of the top five <laughs> in all of baseball last year. Hits allowed Lynn, Michaelis, and Gibson, yeah. which is not ideal. Yeah. Uh, they gave up a lot of runs, all three of them together. Yeah. The batting averages, like it's scary. Like if you had all three of them in your rotation this past year, you're like, wow, you are the worst pitching staff in baseball. But they're hoping that, you know, things will, will bounce back for both. Uh, of the new guys that they signed and for Michaelis as well. They're hoping that maybe they learned a little bit from last year of uh, things that maybe they should do differently uh, as far as defensively. And you bring up a good point that if you're going to rely on your defense as much as, you you know, as these guys need you to, if you're going to be putting the ball in play as much as they do allow, um, does that make a guy like Tommy Edmond almost untradeable because of how Mm -hmm. good he is defensively in all three spots that he plays at short at second and in center field. So something to think about. Again, we're guessing we're just kind of following breadcrumbs here, seeing what, what we're trying to guess what these guys might be thinking. So just something to think about when, uh, when you look at these signings, all right, we're going to jump into the pros and cons of 
one Lance Lynn, who was actually the first guy that they signed. So uh, we'll jump into that next with Josh Jacobs from RedbirdRants.com and the Newt News Podcast. Uh, we'll talk with him more about this next on Locked on Cardinals. Once again, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. That's on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day and the local experts of Locked On. A part of that, plus our national shows covering every league. So go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, pros and cons for Lance Lynn. Again, we could throw a bunch of stuff at you to tell you the, how amazing he is. And then there's... <laughs> The other side of it, that kind of brings him back down to earth. First and foremost, the thing that I personally love about Lancelin the most is just kind of the attitude. And this has been brought up uh, by multiple places as well. But, he, 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 you know, we've had him before. So we're very familiar with the kind of guy that Lancelin is. The attitude, the grit, the no-nonsense, but yet a colorful guy off the field. You know, he's a very entertaining interview. But when he gets between the lines, you know, it's business. And he's all about doing the right things. He knows what the Cardinals are about. And it's something that Mo and other people have pointed out that they think that the, this clubhouse needed and was lacking last year. Yeah. I think Mo may have said this himself. I like a Lance Lynn with a chip on his shoulder. Like I like yeah. a Lance Lynn coming in with something to prove that to me screams that like, if you look at Kyle Gibson and Lance Lynn's projections next year, they look better than what they put up this year. And Gibson, I'm a little bit more weary of. I don't know what he's actually going to give you, but I think Lance Lynn could be pretty decent. Um, again, innings eater does strike out stuff more. I know we'll talk more about that, but I just like the the way he's going to come in as a competitor, but also for the clubhouse too with the young guys and just kind of we've talked about before, like there's just not a lot of vocal leaders in that clubhouse. Lance Lynn will be one of those guys. So you love to have that, especially on that pitching staff. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite Cardinal pitchers of all time, Chris Carpenter, Lance Lynn kind of learned under him and he yeah. had those same kind of vibes when he's out there on the mound. He's got that mentality. He's angry when yeah. he's out there working and pitching. And uh, when things don't go well, he gets pissed, whether it's on him or if he, it's somebody else in the field doing something dumb. So um, it, it doesn't hurt to have those guys in the clubhouse. And, uh, yeah, maybe they, the Cardinals got a little soft. You know, when you bring in a star players like Goldschmidt, who's not a vocal guy, just kind of goes out there and does his job. And then you've got an Arenado who, I don't know, maybe he just didn't feel like the clubhouse was his just yet. Um, hmm. You know, uh, that, that could be. So, um that's obviously a plus. Another plus about him, the strikeouts, which you uh, were mentioning, 191, top 20 in the league, something the Cardinals were targeting. We knew they were going after it. They wanted more swing and miss. Lance Lynn, shockingly, at his age, 191 strikeouts last year. Pretty darn good. Yeah, and he struck out almost 11 batters per nine innings with the White Sox, which is among the best in baseball at that point. Now, he was awful. Like, he was giving up home runs left and right, and – just giving up a ton of earned runs. And the, uh, when he went to LA, his strikeout rate went down, but his ERA got better. So that's an interesting thing to watch. Maybe there's a way he can balance it out a little bit more, which would really put him back. Cause before last year, he was arguably a top 25 pitcher in baseball the last few years. He's been like sneaky good for the Rangers and the twins and then the white Sox. And so um, he's got that kind of stuff. He's not a deceptive guy. He uses his fastball a lot, but he knows how to locate it well. Uh, and so I, I, I like that addition on the back end of the rotation that he's not just an inning leader who gives up a lot of hits and is pitch the contact. He's trying to strike guys out. 
Uh, durable, just like Kyle Gibson, uh, threw over 180 innings last year. So he's another one of those guys that that answers the bell every fifth day. So these are some of the, the positives of a Lance Lynn. And uh, there are some negatives. Uh, the home yeah. runs is obviously the number that just stands out to everybody. 44 dingers off of him last year, which is a disgusting amount of home runs to give up. Um, is that going to happen again? Because 44 is so much where it's hard to believe they won't come down because that yeah. is an extreme amount, but it's not an encouraging sign when a guy who is 36, going to be 37, is giving up taters left and right. Now, some people say that maybe he was tipping pitches, and that's why people were reading him so well. I don't know. You can come up with an excuse for any time anything goes bad, but 44 home runs at his age, you got to worry a little bit about that. Yeah, Blake Newberry put out a really good piece on Viva Alberto's, um, I think it was today or yesterday on Lance Lynn, and he looked at some of these outlier home run fly ball rates, which Lynn, Lynn had one of those last year because he's given a historic amount of home runs. Yeah. And for the most part, when a player has a season like that where they give up a disproportionate amount of home runs compared to league average, it comes way back down to earth and goes right back to their career norms. So. Again, an aging pitcher, you can't necessarily always say, oh, things will bounce back for them. But it was just so bad that it's hard to believe that it will be like that again. And again, it's home runs too, something that just seems to vary pitcher to pitcher. You're also moving him to Bush Stadium too. So I think it's a major con that you have to watch, but it's something that he knows is a problem. He's been working on, the Dodgers are working on with him. And then again, it just seems like it was one of those weird years for him where it just kept biting him in the butt. And again, I, I think it'll still be a problem, but like if it's not a massive problem like it was last year, that's already a, probably at least a runoff his year, right? You can take off there. Yeah. And just to, I don't know, we're not trying to sell you on Lance Lamb, but I'm just going to yes. point out stats here 44 home runs last year, but before that, 19, 18, 13, 21. Uh, it, it has never been like this for no. him. So this is, uh, very not normal for and he for was Lance on he was on normal. like the most not normal team of all time last year for half the season two at the White Sox like so many of those guys had weird and down years like Dylan Cease's stuff still looked incredible but he just wasn't producing Tim Anderson fell off the cliff like it was basically Luis Robert and a bunch of people who weren't playing well so I don't really blame any White Sox last year for how they played uh career worst ERA of 5.73 last year his uh yeah. FIP also 5.53, not great. The walk percentage was up, which is something that unless you're Blake Snell, you're, you don't like it. <laughs> Snell's the only one that's a weirdo who can walk everybody, but yet be amazing at the same time. Uh, his walk percentage was up to 8.3. The velo is, is down a couple of notches from uh, a couple of years ago when he had that really good year with the White Sox in 2021. These are some of the uh, other concerns uh, about bringing in Lance Lynn. Again, he'll be 37 in May. Uh, eventually, things do go south for everybody now that nobody's taking steroids, at least as we know. <laughs> and, um, you know, we, we, we went through it last year when we saw poor Adam Wainwright. You know, he had that bad month at the end of the previous season. And we're like, OK, he'll get things worked out. And it never happened. And he yeah. just got pummeled. And you're hoping that neither one of these guys, either Gibson or Lynn, are teetering on that cliff and might drop off. Lynn was the scary one because Gibson's numbers weren't quite as scary as uh, Lynn's were, but it's another thing to be concerned about. Yeah, and again, like neither guy really showed much signs. I mean, like you said, Gibson wasn't super scary, but at the same time, you don't want it to get worse than what it is already, and same with Lynn. 
they neither guy really showed signs of improvement going into the postseason either. Like Ling, I think gave up four home runs in the postseason too. So oh, like yeah. <laughs> you kind of like it just gives me a little bit of like those Wayno flashbacks too, where people yeah. are just like, it will get better, but there was no signs that actually showed it was going to. Now I think if you dig into the numbers and you look into some of the numbers in order to digging into Gibson and Lynn, both guys uh, both guys have like have underlying things that would make that you make you optimistic that they can be quality four and five starters. Like that's what we're talking about here. We're not trying to sell you on them being mid rotation guys, frontline guys, but can they eat innings, keep you in games, most starts. Both guys should be able to fit the bill. Yeah. And as we said at the outset, if this is it and they don't make a move to go get a number one or a number two style type of guy, then we're in for a very long season and uh, Mo will have ultimately failed. Yep. We don't think that's going to happen. We still no. think that, that there is something else in the works here. Yeah. Um, you know, you're still kind of waiting on the market, too. You just had Yamamoto posted. So people still are trying to – they're all jockeying for position now. We also heard that report today that he would like to play with somebody who – like Japanese players. Uh, does, does New Park count? Is that, does he count? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, I just want to make sure. I know they're boys. I, yeah, and, the, the report itself even name dropped Newt Barr as someone he's been hanging out with. And then yeah. his his agent Wolf also – Jerry Wolf, who, or Joel Wolf, who also um, represents Arnado, Newt Barr. He was the guy that tried to get Stanton to come to STL even though he didn't want to at all. Um, he talked about how he doesn't even want to play on the coast either. Like he he would, but he's not like uh, he's not bent on being on one of the coasts. And so yeah. there's a lot of encouraging news on the uh, St. Louis front for Yamamoto. I wouldn't call them the front runners by any means, but I think you're going to start seeing national people take them really seriously in the sweepstakes. Uh, Sunny Gray news. Uh, we've been hearing the Braves are really sniffing hard on Sunny Gray right now. Um, yeah. I don't know how you talk him out of going, not going to Atlanta and coming to St. Louis instead, considering the differences between the teams and how successful they've been right now. And if the, if the Cardinals don't overpay like by an extreme amount, it, it would be tough for me to believe that Gray would choose the Cardinals uh, mm-hmm. over Atlanta. Um, but the glass now thing is the one that seems to be picking up a little more steam oh, yeah. and seems to be something that the Cardinals might be targeting. Uh, how do you feel about that right now? Do you feel like uh, that that might be the move? You had to put a bet down between them getting Yamamoto, Gray, or Glass now. Would you go Glass now? I think I would because especially the trade market too. Like That just seems where the Cardinals do most of their damage most of the time is through trade. And then again, the way they set up their rotation makes it so they can take on the risk of a guy that you're not sure what kind of innings you're going to get from from him. Again, Yamamoto, like he's he's the innings and the elite stuff. Gray is really, really good and gets you the innings. Glass now has some of the best stuff in baseball. You're just concerned about the innings. So now that you have the innings, I think you take the I, I wanted to take the risk either way. I'm a big glass now guy. I know you are too. I think it makes mm. so much sense now. And then the reports keep coming out that it's it's basically a guarantee he's going to be dealt. And with that yeah. 25 million salary, that seems like they want to move all of that. There's not a lot of teams that are going to be clamoring to take on 25 million. On a one-year guy, it, it's a little bit easier to swallow for some teams, but especially when they don't give up, when he doesn't pitch that many innings, I think it narrows his market. St. Louis is interested; it's not speculation, so we know that they are okay with taking on twenty-five million. Then I think it pretty much just brings it down to like the Dodgers. It brings it down to like the Braves. But if they go for Sonny Gray, they're probably not a player. So I think you could just see all the dominoes falling. Why Tampa Bay and St. Louis would come together on a deal there. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll wait and see. Uh, we'll, we'll 
We'll use our patience, as uh, as Mo likes to say, but uh, it's all we yeah. can do right now. Uh, I hope everybody enjoys their Thanksgiving tomorrow. Which food item are you looking forward to the most, Josh? What do you like? Ooh. What's your favorite? You can't say turkey. You got <laughs> to give a side. I'm a ham over turkey guy, by the way, too. Oh, okay. That's, you like it salty. Okay. Yeah, more more ham than turkey. Um, I think maybe you brought – I think you asked me about foods at one point. I, was, I think I said corn casserole or something, but sweet potato casserole I think is – I think maybe I'm I'm leaning toward that this year. It's I wasn't a sweet potato guy growing up, and then now it's like, oh, I love it. So I think I think that's <laughs> I have I'm a weird too. gag reflex to sweet potatoes, and I don't know why. It that's how I used to be. Them, whether it's in a fry form or whether it's <laughs> at the you know a cast, I just for some reason it's just weird to me. I'm going yeah. stuffing. Do you call stuffing stuffing or dressing? Oh, stuffing. Yeah, stuffing. I'm the same way. I got yelled at by some dude online the other day. He's like, "It's dressing, idiot." I'm like, "No, wait, what? No, it's no. stovetop stuffing." So, anyway, well, <laughs> Josh, thank you as always for joining yeah, us here you. today, and uh, make sure you guys give Josh a follow uh, on Twitter X as well as go to RedbirdRants.com. I'm sure they're going to have plenty of uh, information coming out about uh, all of the Cardinals' moves and possible moves. New News Podcast, obviously, has got the latest on what's going on uh, with the Cardinals there as well. And uh, I hope you and yours have a, a great Thanksgiving, Josh. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. You as well, J.D. All right. Thank you guys for making Locked on Cardinals your first listen every day. If you haven't already, give us both a follow on Twitter at X at LO underscore Cardinals at JD Sports Radio and at Josh Jaco MLB. Like, subscribe on YouTube. Help our channel and love for the Cardinals grow. You're the best fans in baseball for a reason. We'll see you next time on Locked on Cardinals.